The following is a presentation of Hawkeye's Mike LLC. Go with three wides here. Wadley on the delay across midfield. There's nobody home. Wadley, 65 yards and a touchdown. Indiana, one of the worst defensive units overall in the country. They come in allowing more than 500 yards a game, and they've been hurt for the big play like that all year. Iowa has done this to their opponents all year in the first quarter. They have now scored them 50-13. to 13. Hello, everyone. This is John Patchett, and welcome to the football show from Hawkeyes Mike. This is our new Reporter's Notebook podcast. This week, it features Scott Docterman, who looks back at the Hawks' win at Indiana, and he previews this week's Big Ten West Minnesota game in the annual battle for Floyd of Rosedale. And you'll hear from the head coaches in this coming Saturday's game, Iowa's Kirk Ferentz and Minnesota's Tracy Clays. This Hawkeyes Mike podcast is one in a series of our weekly programs which include sports reporter Scott Docterman of the Gazette and Steve Batterson from the Quad City Times, plus our own Tyler Chemeland. Game highlights are courtesy of ESPN with announcers Mike Patrick and Ed Cunningham. We very much appreciate it and thank them. Hawkeyes Mike programs are brought to you in part by Prefence Hand Sanitizer. One application lasts all day. Try the hand sanitizer used by the Iowa Hawkeyes. And remember, the best defense is Prefence. And by TNK Roofing and Sheet Metal, building strong and safe in the Midwest for over 50 years. The Iowa Hawkeyes host border state rival Minnesota at Kinnick Stadium Saturday night. It's the annual battle for Floyd of Rosedale, which is currently held by Minnesota after last year's 51-14 Gophers win in Minneapolis. It's also the blackout game, and the Hawkeyes will be wearing all-black alternate uniforms. Iowa is 9-0 overall, 5-0 in the Big Ten. It leads the West Division by one game over Wisconsin. A win over Minnesota would give the Hawkeyes their first 10-0 start in school history. Iowa is ranked 5th in the football playoffs poll and 8th in both the AP and coaches polls this week. The Hawkeyes are 5-0 in the Big Ten for the third time under Kirk Ferentz. The last two times, 2009 and 2002. There are just six undefeated teams left in the nation and a According to the Sagarin ratings, Iowa's strength of schedule to date is stronger than all but one of those teams. That's Clemson. Iowa has won five consecutive true road games for the first time since 2008-2009. And quarterback C.J. Beathard is now 10-0 as the starter. He continues to build the all-time record at Iowa. He's 5-0 at home and 5-0 on the road. Minnesota, which has been decimated by injuries on both sides of the ball, is 4-5 and 1-4 and in the Big Ten. Head coach Jerry Kill resigned for health reasons two weeks ago. He was replaced by interim head coach Tracy Clays, who was named head coach this week and given a three-year contract. The Gophers have faced and lost to, though generally played well, TCU, Northwestern, Nebraska, Michigan, and Ohio State. 
The Gophers lead the series all-time 62-44-2. Iowa leads in games played in Iowa City 28-23-1. And in contests for Floyd, the Gophers have the advantage 43-36-2. Kirk Ferentz is in his 17th year as Iowa head coach where his record is 124-85. He ranks 8th in the Big Ten Conference all-time in coaching victories. Tracy Clays is 0-2 as interim head coach of the Gophers. This will be his first game ever as a college head coach. He previously served as Kill's assistant head coach and defensive coordinator. Following this game, Iowa will host Purdue, while Minnesota will host Illinois. This primetime game is a national telecast on the Big Ten Network with announcers Kevin Kugler and Matt Millen. On radio as usual, it's Gary Dolphin and Ed Podolak on the Hawkeyes Radio Network, and the broadcast will also be available on XM Radio Channel 195 and Sirius Channel 136. This nighttime game, which is a sellout, will be preceded in the morning by the Grapple on the Gridiron at Kinnick Stadium. It's a wrestling duel meet between top-ranked Oklahoma State and fourth-ranked Iowa. It's the first time in history two college football programs will compete outdoors. It will set the all-time attendance record for college wrestling, as the paid crowd is expected to exceed 35,000 and perhaps significantly more with the good weather that's predicted. A couple of Big Ten notes. In last week's games, Nebraska defeated previously undefeated and 7th-ranked Michigan State 39-38 in Lincoln with a last-minute touchdown that followed a very controversial call by the officials. And Ohio State defeated Minnesota in a closely contested game 28-14 in Columbus. This week, key Big Ten games include not only Minnesota at Iowa, but Michigan plays at Indiana in what could be a very interesting contest between Michigan's defense and Indiana's offense, and Ohio State plays at Illinois. There are just two undefeated teams remaining in the Big Ten, Iowa at 9-0 in the West, and Ohio State also at 9-0 in the East. Hasn't been easy, and won't be easy. Third and very short. Daniels to the outside, walks in. Touchdown, LaShawn Daniels, his second rushing touchdown of the season. You know, everyone, when when they talk about Iowa being 8-0 and sitting at number 9 with a direct track to the Big Ten Championship, win that to then the college football playoff, everyone wants to say what they don't have and what they aren't. They have a great offensive line. After studying Beathard, he's the real deal. Everyone wants to keep talking about what Kirk Ferentz doesn't have. We've seen Clemson, we've seen Michigan State, we've seen Ohio State. This team could play and beat all of them. Let's hear from the head coaches in this coming Saturday's game. First up, Iowa head coach Kirk Ferentz, who was asked about quarterback C.J. Beathard's ability to make big plays and make the difference between winning and losing. You know, guys that can do that at any position, uh, that's a special thing. And I'm not sure you teach it. Uh, I'm not sure how it develops or whatever. But, you know, certain players just have a little something extra they add to the equation. And uh, certainly C.J. has demonstrated that now uh, this season over nine games and last year and one. So uh, he's really playing well. And that, that's part of the reason we're, we're, we're doing well right now as a team. Ferentz talks at length about the particular nature of this year's team, its chemistry, and the chemistry of the staff, and the chemistry of the staff and the team. No, we, we have a, a really good group right now. The, the players are really, uh, they've really gelled, they've come together, and uh, they, they really, I think they genuinely care about each other, and you see that in the way they play, the way they practice, the way they travel. So, and our staff is the same way, and I, I kind of touched on that earlier. You know, we, we kind of have been going through what we went through back in the early 2000s, you know, getting everybody in the right seats, and then 
really getting an appreciation for what it is we're trying to do program-wise, uh, what it's like to live in Iowa City. Those are those are different things. If you haven't been here before, I went through it in 1981. So uh, there's a process to everything that you do, and um, but it starts with good people, and that's what I said back in January. I was convinced at that time that we had the right people here. Yeah, it's just a matter of you know getting a little better focus and everybody kind of working together a little bit better, and that's the same thing you ask your team to do. You know, if, if you can't deal with adversity and you're involved in competitive sports or competitive anything, you know, you're, you're gonna have a tough life. It's just really, you know, unless your players, you know, you go back to the, the 70s where there are a couple of teams, you know, you just go down and knock people down like bowling pins uh, if you're at the right place. You know, those days are gone. The scholarship's changing and all that. So things have become a lot more competitive and it's probably parallels the NFL a little bit, I think. Uh, we're not exactly like them, but it's a lot more like them than it was in the 70s for sure. So, you know, there's an opportunity to, to have good teams, but but every day is not going to be, a, you know, a walk in the park. That's just how it is. So if you can't deal with that, you probably should do something else. And then I think the next part is that everybody, everybody involved has to understand that whether it's players, coaches, staff, support staff, folks, and uh, you know, you just, uh, you can't whine about things that go wrong or you can't, you know, it's not all about pointing fingers or a pointing blame, which I know we live in a world where that's, that's a big thing right now. To me, the, the question is, you know, how do you work through situations? How, how do you get better? How do you improve? What's the way to address something when it goes wrong? That, that's a challenge. And it's, you know, it's easy to say, hey, this guy, that guy and all that kind of stuff. But what, what are the answers? We have enough people telling us what, what the problems are, but you know, what, what's the answer to the problem? What's the solution? That, that's a key in anything you do, I think. So, but you got, you got to have the right people. You know, you got to have the right people. People got a little bit of metal and, you know, some substance to them. And as we prepare for the first grapple on the gridiron this Saturday morning, prior to the Iowa-Minnesota game, Ference was asked how wrestling coach Tom Brands approached him about hosting the event at Kinnick Stadium and Kirk's appreciation for college wrestling. Well, you know, I think they've been noodling this idea around for a while. Uh, like most things, you know, it takes a while for it to percolate. And um, it's not like we're going to be doing anything at 11 o'clock or whatever time they're going. So uh, I think it's a great thing. It's just uh, it's great for the sport, first and foremost. Uh, and I happen to be a wrestling fan. Uh, I'm not an expert by any stretch. I'm not even a novice, but uh, I really enjoy it and uh, have tremendous respect like I do for all the coaches on our campus. Tom, all, all those guys really just do a great job. So, But it, it's great for the sport of college wrestling, which is, I think, one of the premier sports there is. And it's, it's I understand Oklahoma State was very receptive to it. That, that could have been an issue as well. And uh, so it's just a win-win situation. And for them to do it in Kinnick Stadium, make history there, why not? I think it's just a fantastic thing for the university. My first uh, competition would have been January. You look it up, but I think it was January. I'm pretty sure it was maybe February, but it was in the winter of uh, 1982. I'll never forget walking into the old field house, and uh, first of all, I was amazed at the crowd, and then beyond that, it seemed like everybody in the place, 13-5, whatever it would seat, everybody knew everything that was going on, like every move, they're coaching every move, and and, and I was just like in total amazement. That, that blew me away. Uh, but it was so fun to watch watch our teams compete. You know, since that time, I, you know, needless to say, I've had a chance to get to know Dan a little bit, and uh, you know, what we're respect I have for him. Had a chance to read a couple of the books about him. And, you know, it's just uh, he's an amazing, you know, I mean, we have a few Iowa treasures, certainly Norman Borlaug go right on. James Van Allen and Dan Gable certainly one of those people. I mean, the guy's an icon, just an icon and a tremendous human being, a family guy. What an outstanding uh, Iowa, an outstanding person. So, if you like sports, I don't know how you couldn't like uh, couldn't like wrestling. I don't know about competing in wrestling, but watching it, <laughs> that's a different story. <laughs> Next, we hear from newly named Minnesota head coach Tracy Clays, who was asked if last year's win by Minnesota will have any impact on this coming Saturday's game. 
Yeah, we tell our kids all the time, what happened last week has no effect on the game this week. It's who shows up, and, and you got to go through the week in the proper process of, of preparing, and, and you need to do that. If you don't, you're going to have troubles, and so uh, it snowballed. I mean, you have games like that. We, we weren't that many points better than Iowa last year. I mean, it was a good football team. It just so happens that between the turnovers and everything, just snowballed and got on a roll, and more things went our way that day, and so uh, um, and they're, they're playing better this year. There's no question. They They've kind of gelled and things are going their way. So it'll be a tremendous challenge. But uh, at the same time, say being a trophy game, our kids will be excited and I expect us to play well, but it'll be a tough environment. And But I'm a big believer in previous games have nothing to do with, with this week's game as long as you go through the process of preparing. Clays talks about this year's Iowa team and the fact that this is a trophy game. You know, defensively, they're, they're playing better you know, on defense. Um, I think they've gotten back to uh, what they've done in the past. I, their front four has really played well for them. Then offensively, you know, they're, they haven't really changed a lot. Everybody has little little changes you make. But uh, the quarterback, more athletic, can make more plays with his legs than he did. And then uh, Wiseman is more of a ram it up in their tailback. And the one thing that, that the tailback this year, he's much more patient. And he's done a good job of finding seams there in their zone scheme and, and getting some big runs. And so uh, I think their tailback is is playing really well. You know, it's one of those things that I think they've stayed pretty healthy, and and um, so uh, there, there's no question they're they're more um, just playing as a complete team as like last year they they made more mistakes. And this is a typical Iowa team; you don't see them making a lot of mistakes to beat themselves. They're going to make you beat them, and and so it, it'll be a challenge. Being the trophy game and bordering states, I think anytime you play teams from bordering states, there's a bragging right that goes along with it, and that you know. So yeah, there, there'll be a lot of excitement. Our kids will be excited. They'll be excited. A, a night game there, you know. A game I remember is two years ago going there and getting it handed to us. You, you know, I mean that's the game that I remember. You know, it, it's tough to win on the road, but uh, at the same time, we just do the things we need to do, and they play the way they've been playing. I, I think it'll be a, a real good ball game. And Clays was asked about his starting quarterback, Mitch Leitner, and how the team views him as a leader. Yeah, I don't think our kids have ever doubted Mitch on that part. He works hard at practice. A lot of it had to do at the beginning of the year up front, and we, we he got beat up. Uh, you know, I mean, he really did. And the offensive line got to where we gotten better. And like I say, the timing, everything's better. He hasn't taken as near as many hits. I would think you see when he runs, he gets down now, so he's not taking as many hits. And since he's gotten healthier against Ohio State, he was able to escape a little bit better. He's moving around better to make more play so uh, tremendous kid great leader works hard nobody ever ever questions how important it is to for to win and and uh, so uh, our, our kids I think have, have a tremendous amount of respect for him and you know, Ohio State obviously their front four causes to where we couldn't throw some of the balls we wanted to throw and got us off our spots in that but uh, a lot of that had to do with with who we were playing against and uh, we have to do better I mean obviously but uh, same time we, we need to keep him healthy for the, for the way he's playing he is making plays for for us and and uh, even the balls he's throwing are catchable to where you know KJ has just done a tremendous job catching the football and so uh, I'm excited you know it's always good at the end of the year you want to get better each week and Mitch is truly one of them not only has he gotten healthier he's played better and better each week as we went along Daniels there it is there's the first hit nice block by Pleva his fullback 244 pounds number 42 led the way in there Greg Davis the offense coordinator said the unsung part of our offense is Pleva and Cox the two fullbacks they both played really well this year they both stayed healthy and that was a nice block just exploded on the middle backer Oliver 
How many things have you touched today? Hmm? Ooh, a puppy. <laughs> How many places have your hands been? Ooh, a keyboard. 24-hour hand sanitizer protection just makes sense. Prefins, a silica-based hand sanitizer protects your hands all day. Stays on. Up to 10 washings. Moisturizes. Alcohol-free. And safe for the kids. So go ahead. Touch anything and everything. Ew, a toilet. Prefins. Keep your hands germ-free all day. Time now for our weekly Reporter's Notebook show this week with Scott Docterman. You can read Scott's articles in the Gazette and online at gazette.com and in his blog, Doc's Office. You can also follow Scott on Twitter at Scott Docterman. Scott looks back at the Indiana game and he previews this Saturday's contest against Minnesota. Scott, another big win once again. Iowa 9-0 at Indiana last week. I think you called it a gritty performance. You called this team kind of a pork and potatoes team. Yeah, I mean, this is, to me, a, this is a, the perfect embodiment of what Kirk Ferentz wants as a football team. I mean, they're understated in their approach. They have great chemistry. They work hard. They work together. Their, their teamwork is impeccable. They have toughness. They have grit. They respond to adversity. This is a, you know, there's no flash to it, and that's what we saw Tuesday night with what the playoff selection committee was discussing, that Iowa is not a flashy team, but they they're very consistent, and I think that's what we saw. And when you go to Indiana, this is not one of your Indiana teams that you feel like, oh, yeah, you should beat them by 17, 24 points. I mean, this is a team that could put up points, but I think it's much better than its record indicates. And, and you look at the games that they played against top 15 competition, I mean, they're on the five-yard line against Ohio State when they're down seven. You know, that it was a even ball game with Michigan State midway through the fourth quarter. And for really most of, of uh, last Saturday's game, it was the same deal against Indiana. Uh, you know, it was a tough, hard-nosed, fought, hard-fought game, but Iowa consistently was able to get stops on defense and then on offense was able to produce on third down. To me, the biggest factor of that game was, you know, the catches that Iowa made in, in the uh, fourth quarter. You look at Matt Vandenberg, three catches, 66 yards, all three went for first down. And then you look at Henry Krieger Coble, two catches for 21 yards in the fourth quarter, both for first downs, both on third down. So, you know, they were able to make the plays when, they, when it mattered in Indiana was not. So that, that tells you the difference, the, the fine line between winning and losing and, and the fine line between being a contender for a playoff slot in the Big Ten Championship and one that's uh, trying to get into a bowl game. Another solid performance from the running back position last week. Akram Wadley had 120 yards. That's a two 100-yard rushing games this season. You had LaShawn Daniels get back in and play fairly well. His first multi-score game, multi-TD game. And, you know, we do keep talking about how Iowa's not flashy they just go about their business and and they do things well, except they had seven more explosive plays last week at Indiana, and they averaged 5.7 on first, 8.2 on second, 4.3 on third down, and they they scored 35 points. I mean, that's a a pretty explosive offense, if not flashy. Yeah, I think a lot of what people have discussed, why Iowa kind of gets that label is because their style of play. I mean, they they like to grind it out. They use tight ends. They use fullbacks. It's a power style of offense and that's what works in this part of the world at Iowa because you can go out and get great linemen you should be able to get good running backs and you should be able to drive people off the ball that's what Iowa does there's not a lot of speed in the state of Iowa or in this part of the Midwest so therefore you use what you have and make a powerhouse out of it now I think what people look at are what what Oregon had what what Baylor has what Oklahoma State has which is a lot of speed they spread you out they score a lot of points but they also give up a lot of points and in a grand act 
acquisition sport like this, you want to have that yin and yang approach. And I think Iowa does. Iowa may be the most consistent team in the country when it comes to balance between run and pass. And then also the way their their uh, offensive defense works in sync. And as you mentioned, I mean, you know, Iowa has scored 29 points or, or 27 points or more in every game but one. I mean, that's a pretty strong uh, bit of scoring, if you ask me. In the Big Ten, the only game that they've scored fewer than 29 was at Wisconsin, which was an epic slugfest, as it usually is. So I, I think, uh, you know, by and large, you're looking at a team that is uh, doing what it needs to do. Offensively, it's scoring. It's scoring at a, at a great rate, it, but it just doesn't have that, that sizzle factor to it. You know what? That's why I called it pork and potatoes. You know what? They taste good, too. Well, let's turn to the Iowa-Minnesota game. Lloyd Rosedale on the line. I suspect that had something to do with the pork reference. Minnesota, a team coming in that's just been decimated on both offense and defense by injuries. They've had 22 players miss a combined 81 games. They were coming into this game with an interim head coach, but Tracy Clays was named head coach given a three-year contract this week. For Iowa, 10-0 would be its best start in school history. Talked about Iowa in the polls, eighth in the coaches, eighth in AP, and as you said, they jumped up to fifth in the playoff. And just a little side note here, not only is Floyd on the line, but the Hawkeyes will be wearing alternate jerseys for its blackout game. There's a lot of factors to this game going in that, that's pretty exciting. I mean, I think, number one, you look at, you know, it's a night game at Kinnick in November. That's never happened before. I mean, anytime they've used the lights, it's because it was a 2.30 game previously. But now that they've opened up this window, and you've got to give credit to the athletic director, Gary Barta, for really pushing for this. This is something that maybe wasn't on the radar of the Big Ten, but, but Gary Barta really won in night games. And I think with the schedule at home, that was the one way to kind of energize the base. And then you figure in, this is your most played rival, uh, Minnesota. A lot of starchy incidences in the past uh, that uh, I think uh, we all are aware of. And then, you know, this is their 109th meeting with for uh, with Minnesota, and they've been playing for Floyd to Rosedale since 1935. So, to me, the most iconic college traveling trophy. And then you throw in the fact that Minnesota beat the daylights out of Iowa last year, 51-14 to 14 in Minnesota, which really, to me, was not an indication of who that Minnesota was 37 points better. You know, they just were that day. I mean, if they would have played 10 times, it probably would have split. Uh, it was a lot of snowball effect to that game. I, Iowa, I believe, had three one-down possessions in the second quarter, and uh, that all, those all led to points, turnovers in their own end of the woods. But, and then you throw in the, the night's game factor. It's a sellout crowd, the first one for Iowa this year. Uh, the alternate uniforms, which has the players and a lot of fans energized. And, oh yeah, they're going for 10-0, and and they're going to play a rival to do it. I think there's so many outs, outside factors to this game that make it just, you know, really not only interesting, but off the charts intriguing. So uh, I think that's that's going to be a lot of fun going into it. And then when you get to the nuts and bolts of the matchup, you see some some pretty good football, really for both teams, but certainly from Iowa. Let's uh, dig into the weeds a little bit. Iowa's defense versus Minnesota's offense. The Hawkeyes come in highly ranked nationally in several defensive categories. For example, eighth in scoring defense. They're only yielding 16.6 points a game. Ninth in rush defense. 101 yards per game. They have 20 takeaways, which is first in the Big Ten and 10th nationally. 13 picks, also first in the Big Ten. They've only allowed three rushing touchdowns. It's hard to imagine overall, collectively, a defense playing a whole lot better than Iowa's has been. 
Yeah, I think by and large, they've been really good this year. And I think you've seen an incredible amount of improvement um, from Iowa. And I I would start with the linebackers. Uh, You know, last year, that was a clear detriment. I mean, they they lost, you know, three guys who are NFL linebackers and Chris Kirksey and James Morris and uh, and Anthony Hitchens last year. And and so, you know, you expected a little bit of a dip, but it was really more of a sizable dip. So what they did, you know, and I think that was smart, was they, they put everybody under one board. And that was Jim Reed, the linebackers coach. And you saw incredible growth from Josie Jewell. I mean, he went from being a guy to being a guy. I mean, one of the best linebackers in the, the Big Ten, in my opinion. Last week, he had 15 tackles. He was a he was a bear loose in a children's zoo. I mean, it was just kind of funny to watch him just because, he, you know, it would, I think 12 minutes into the game, he had seven tackles. And a lot of that's the way Iowa plays. They want their linebackers to take care of business. They'll tie up the blockers, and they do a good job of that. And then Ben Neiman, you know, you can't underestimate what his value is as an outside linebacker because kind of that hybrid position of strong safety outside linebacker, you got to be quick enough to cover and you also got to be stout enough to stop a run and, and stop the point of attack. And he's done a great job of that. And I think the other thing, and this is, you know, something that's hard to quantify unless you really dig into it, is the way Iowa pursues on the edge. Last year, Minnesota gouged them on the edge. They ran 10 jet sweeps and got 66 yards and a touchdown against them with KJ May, who was a a really good wide receiver. Iowa, partially because of that game, but partially just uh, as a whole, uh, has really defended the edge better. Now, last week, they got beat a couple of times to the edge on the run. Jordan Howard scored a couple of touchdowns on that because they didn't do the same things they need to. They didn't set the edge, and they didn't rally to the football quite the same way as they had been all year. It's probably a teachable moment. It's something that they can see and understand because they understand Minnesota's capable of doing so. When you look at the ninth-ranked rush defense, you know, eighth in scoring. It means that they're playing well together. The takeaways part of it. Oh my gosh, you know, it is has been, you know, lights out. I mean, having Desmond King, who's already tied for the school record with eight interceptions in one season, and then you throw in uh, you know, the the pass rush. Now they, they you know, they're not quite as stout there with a Drew Ott out for the season, but but uh, by and large they're playing great team defense and they're doing whatever it takes to win. You can identify exceptional performances game to game by different defensive players, but I really like your point about the, the fact that this really is a team defense, and that's that's why it's doing well. They're also second in the Big Ten in red zone defense, just 15 scores in 20 trips. Looking at Minnesota's offense, a couple of things stand out right off the bat. First of all, Minnesota has just 26 red zone trips. That's the second fewest in the Big Ten, and they have 15 giveaways, which is the fourth most in the Big Ten. That's not a good match for Iowa's defense. No, there's a lot of things about Minnesota that's really concerning on offense. I think, first of all, you know, their last scoring as a whole, I mean, at 20 points a game, that's 112th nationally. And then rushing the football, when you look at last year, what really, to me, set them apart offensively was David Cobb, the running back, and the way they blocked for David Cobb. I mean, he was a terrific running back, and I dare say, had Iowa had him, you know, they might have won nine or ten games last year, but instead they didn't, and Minnesota crushed them. Uh, They've only scored nine rushing touchdowns. Conversely, Iowa has 25. Uh, This is a team that just can't generate anything in the run game. And when you're looking at Iowa and its staunch run defense, I mean, you know, where are they going 
get it. Well, you know, they're, they're going to try to manufacture it somehow. You know, again, jet sweeps worked last year. I'm sure they're going to consider it and try to do it a couple of times because they did see where Jordan Howard, although he was a running back, hit the edge, and they did a pretty good job last week. I think you see Mitch Leidner, their quarterback, get more involved in the running game, which he has in the past and will continue to do so. But they're going to have to try to mix that up, force Iowa to, to get out of position. But this isn't a very good matchup for them. They haven't been into, uh, you know, in, as you mentioned, you know, the red zone very often. They don't score a lot when they get there. And uh, their run game has just been ineffective. Now they've had they've played some pretty good opponents. But I'll say this, that, you know, the, probably the two two of the, of the three best run defenses that they'll face all year are two of the three best run defenses in the country in Wisconsin and Iowa. And they have to face them two of the last three weeks. They faced Michigan and they did a nice job, but that was mostly through the air. So I, I think this matchup is skewed heavily towards Iowa if Iowa can, you know, just play disciplined sound football. And I assume that they uh, they went over last year's game plan and they understand what they did wrong. Minnesota's offensive struggles are certainly triggered in part by the their offensive line play. They're really thin there. They've had a bunch of injuries there. They've had to jumble their offensive line all season long, and that doesn't help with your running game nor your pass protection. But Minnesota's offense right now kind of starts and stops with the quarterback Mitch Leidner, who you mentioned. He's climbing all of the quarterback career stats charts at Minnesota. He's doing it both with his feet and his arm. He's hitting 58% of his uh, passes, and he's passed 250 or more yards in each of the last three games and four of the last six the Gophers have played. Yeah, he's uh, he's doing more with his arm. I mean, you know, the one knock on him, I think, is that he's just not really a, con- a very consistent passer. Um, you know, sometimes he puts the ball right on the money. Other times, it's way off. Now, against Michigan, I'll say this, that he had a couple of throws that were not really great throws, but his receivers made great catches or made great adjustments on the ball. They really kept them involved in the game. And then, of course, at the very end, he threw a really nice pass that originally was ruled a touchdown, got called back to the half-yard line, and then uh, was unable. they were unable to score, and they lost by three, which really is a is a game that probably keeps them from a bowl, I think, appearance in the end. So uh, Leitner is a tough, physical quarterback. There's There's been discussion in the past that maybe he should play linebacker or tight end instead of a quarterback because he's, gosh, he's probably 6'5 or 6'6. He weighs about 240 pounds. He's a good athlete. And Iowa looked at him quite a bit in the past, and he came twice, back-to-back weekends, in fact. He came to Iowa City to uh, to check out. Uh, he wanted a scholarship at the Iowa, even though he was a Minnesota kid. The Iowa never offered him, and then eventually Minnesota did. And, and he's been a consistent guy. He's a good leader, a decent passer. And uh, last year, he made some incredible passes that were really mainly because of Max Williams, the tight end, was able to make highlight reel catches on him, and that really propelled the, the Gophers past the Hawkeye. Their tight end this year, Brandon Lingen, is okay, but you mentioned K.J. May earlier. He's a he's a really good wide receiver. Yeah, he's a guy with, you know, he's got 49 catches already. He's tied with Matt Vandenberg, I think, for fifth in the Big Ten. 524 yards, four scores, and probably the most impressive part of it, he's kind of like Vandenberg in this area, where 31 of his catches have ended up in a first down or a touchdown, and, and 16 of those catches and were on third or fourth down. So he's a he's a big play guy, and, and Greg Maven said this week he was the most underrated player possibly that he'll face. So I, I think he's a guy you have to be cognizant of. He caught 11 passes against Nebraska. Last year, they said he rushed 10 times for 66 yards. He was like the old wing tee, you know, he was like with that coming off the edge there and, uh, you know, really caused some damage. Iowa had no answer for that. So he's a guy who's going to make a few plays in the pass game, maybe one or two in the run game, but you can't let him make 11 in the pass game and 10 in the run game. And, and I, you know, and again, this is, this 
is something that's not, you know, they didn't just w- wake up and say, wow, they should do this. I mean, they've known about it really all summer long that they worked on this guy. But but he's a guy who's going to make a few plays. You just have to be prepared to do that. Now, you mentioned that their running game has struggled. Leitner has four rushing touchdowns. They're two running backs, and they're both pretty decent, and they're both coincidentally from Georgia. Rodney Smith has one rushing touchdown. Shannon Brooks has three. Yeah, and Shannon, you know, is a guy who came right off the bench. He's a, uh, you know, is a true freshman. They weren't, they, they just weren't getting anything out of that. They have Roderick Williams, who was, uh, you know, played a little bit last year. You got Rodney Smith, and then you got Shannon Brooks. And, uh, you know, they, they have some pretty decent numbers. Uh, you know, Smith, for instance, has ran for, you know, 550 yards, uh, you know, a little over four yards a carry. And then you look at Brooks, you know, they're good one-two punch, you know, five and a half yards a carry and three touchdowns. But, uh, you know, they've been dinged up. So that's that's something that's going to cost them. I, you know, Berkeley Edwards was a guy, you know, they thought a lot of, and he's been injured. And then you look at Mitch Leidner, you know, he's he's reliable at times. And, and, and really what to me is, is unfortunate is sacks get skewed, you know. And I, I really wish they would take that out of that category in college football because, uh, you know, with running quarterbacks so prevalent, it's hard to get a read on. I mean, somebody could get, you know, run the ball eight times for 38 yards, but then you get sacked three times for, you know, minus 20. Then all of a sudden it looks like, oh, yeah, he just ran the ball, whatever it is, nine for 20 yards or something like that, when really it devalues what they're able to do. Mitch Leidner is a pretty good running quarterback with four, but uh, four touchdowns. Of course, he'd rather have one more yard and five based on what's happened against Michigan. But they're capable. Uh, they've got good athletes back there. It's just, uh, you know, can they run against a stout Iowa team that is best against downhill running styles of football? And I, I just, I, I don't know if I could see that happening on Saturday night. After this break, Scott talks the matchup between Iowa's offense and the Gophers' defense, special teams, and he makes his prediction. Bufford out in the flat to Kittle, the tight end, beautifully executed. Kittle only with seven catches all year coming into this ballgame. They just run him out in the flat for his second catch of the day, and Beathard hits him in stride. He does his best C.J. Beathard impression. Yeah, that's right. Of course, I think the coaches aren't so upset 46 went sky high, but they weren't very happy when Beathard did it. Kittle gets the touchdown that may take Iowa to the 9-0 mark. Are you or your local Iowa company looking for a new roof or sheet metal work? TNK Roofing and Sheet Metal specializes in low-slope commercial and industrial roofing and sheet metal. Building strong and safe in the Midwest for over 50 years, TNK Roofing and Sheet Metal, located in Ely, Iowa, just south of Cedar Rapids, provides strong, expert customer service and the best quality fit for you, their customer. For a free estimate, give TNK a call at 319-848-4191 or toll-free at 1-800-383-7663. You can also visit their brand new website at tkroofing.com. TNK Roofing and Sheet Metal, your home for all your low slope roofing systems. Give them a call today. Again, 319 848 4191 or toll free at 1 800 383 7663.
Let's turn to Iowa's offense versus Minnesota's defense. If there's one word that you can associate with Iowa's offense this year, it's balance. Over the season, now have 1,845 yards running, 1,863 passing. It's the third most balanced offense nationally. And versus Indiana, they had 234 on the ground, 233 in the air. And that's the perfect blend for what you want as an offense to win football games. This isn't an offense that wants to get anybody to Heisman, I don't think, unless they you know really excel so you look at the balance and what they've done and, and it's incredible when you consider quarterback cj bethard has been you know injured with a, a groin pull since gosh what uh, back in the, the uh, illinois game i want to say so he's uh you know been a trooper through this whole thing and you look at the running back situation you, know, you got the original running back with sean daniels had been out for a few games jordan canzari comes in then he gets injured against northwestern akron wadley comes in and has a 200-yard game and a 100-yard game. You know, then you know he gets a little bit of an injury to his ankle, and then you throw on, you know, Lashawn Daniels is back in. He's running well. You know, Kenzeri's back now. So you know, and then and then at wide receiver, you got Tavon Smith. You know, who's your the best deep threat? He was out with a sprained knee for for a few weeks, and you know, your original tight end, Jake Doozy, you know, has been out really since April's with that with a knee, and he's barely played. But you have all those moving parts, linemen who've been hurt both tackles of this game and yet you're still able to be that balanced you're still able to run the football you're still able to pass it and do it equally well you know convert on third down with frequency and uh, you know it, it tells you a lot about this team about the grit the determination and it also tells you a lot about the leadership out of the quarterback slot because you know without the trigger man I'm not so sure that they're 9-0 and in fact I don't think they are you know he's able to kind of hold it all together and I think his toughness you know it just kind of permeates what this team's all about and the way he's been able to play, play through pain, you know, even through limitations, and yet still have success, I think tells you a lot about this team and this program. You mentioned earlier their scoring. They're nearly at 33 points a game, which is, is such an improvement over what it has been the last couple of years. Beathard is now 10-0 as the starting quarterback, first time that's happened in history. He's hitting more than 60% of his passes, but it's his leadership and his toughness that really shows through here, and you hear his teammates talking about that all of the time. And between plays and walking out from the sidelines and back from the field to the sidelines sometimes, he looks like he's dragging his foot. And yet, when he's running plays, he's leaping over people to score touchdowns. He's running boots into the end zone. He's pretty amazing, really. He is. uh, And I think, you know, again, when you're a a lineman or you're a running back and you see your quarterback and you know how hurt he is, and yet he continues to do that and give maximum effort and gives everything he can, Yeah, how can you not follow a guy like that? And he's got he's got a, that rare leadership quality that you know that has people follow him just naturally. I mean, I think you get that a lot out of uh, some some guys. You know, just you know whether you're in high school or you know in business or whatever. And you know the guy who kind of walks in and he's like the straw that stirs the drink, and everybody just naturally gravitates to him. And I think C.J. Beathard is that, and he's he's got it because it's all genuine and organic, and natural. He doesn't do it. You don't see anything manufactured with the way he leads people or the way he acts. It's just the way he is, and, and I think when you have that kind of natural charisma, it, it really just draws people to you. And then, and, and then you've got to make plays. You can't just be a guy, and then all of a sudden you're throwing completions. I mean, he's a guy who completes passes. He can complete a wide range of them, short, long. Uh, improvisation uh, last week, you know, maybe one of the biggest plays of the game was it was third and eleven, and uh, and Iowa was up twenty-one to twenty with about thirteen minutes to go. He gets flushed from the pocket. He rolls to his left, and then he throws sidearm to Matt. 
Bennett Bird, who kind of found his way open and uh, and he lunged over the top for a first down for a 12-yard gain. Those plays are rare. You know, they, they end up in the stat sheet, but I think they show a lot for what you have as a, as a quarterback. And, you know, but then a couple of plays later, he's able to hit that 30-yard pass down the seam, you know, just right on point. Uh, you know, he had a wide receiver, Germany Smith, last week, you know, in the arm, and he wasn't looking for the ball, which I'm sure he got uh, destroyed in meeting rooms this week about that. But, uh, you know, that it's a it's a potent offense, and I, I think you look at the trigger man, and, and he's the reason why. Back to the pork and potatoes analogy, they have shown the capability to grind it out, and in fact, their time of possession average is 33 minutes, 21 seconds. That's ninth highest nationally. But they've also shown they can be very explosive, 13 plays of 40-plus yards, which is second in the Big Ten. An example, last week, the second play from the line of scrimmage, Wadley's 65-yard touchdown run, which also goes to the point of how well, uh, and something we've talked about in the past, how well the uh, wide receivers are blocking and the tight ends that have sprung some of those big running plays. You know, you're not going to ever have explosive plays in the running game without having guys on the edge and down the field making big plays. I mean, you can only do so much at the point of attack. Usually that's first, second level, but then there's a safety, a corner, somebody from the backside that, that gets involved and turns a, you know, what could be a 65-yard touchdown run like Akron Wadley had into a 15-yard gain, which is nice, but not nearly as, as important. And, uh, you know, and as you mentioned, the, the blocks down the field have been great. I'll say this, you know, somebody like George Kittle, who's came in basically a little bit bulked up wide receiver, they, they turned him into a tight end. Northwestern, he was blocking his butt off. He was really looked strong at the point of attack. He was going head up against guys like Dean Lowry, who the ne- very next game against Nebraska turned out, you know, to be the defensive player of the week in the Big Ten. And he held him to one, uh, in a lot of cases, it was a collective effort, but they held him to one tackle against Iowa, you know. And so you've got that kind of personality, uh, and it goes everywhere. Jacob Hillier, you know, he, he had his career high, I think, four catches last week, but you've never seen him take a play off when he's not getting the ball because he's blocking down the field. You look at Tron Smith, he's getting in front of people. Matt Vandenberg is cutting people when he needs to happen. So, and, and again, that's a team effort. That's something that it, it, it's not necessarily rare, but you can appreciate it when you see it. And with this team, they do it collectively better than anybody else I can see. I've seen all year long in the country, frankly. I mean, talent-wise, man for man, this isn't the best team in the country, but collectively, they're as good as anybody in the country. Minnesota's defense gives up 24.3 points a game, but they have held their opponents below their opponent's season scoring average in seven of their nine games. They uh, have created 13 turnovers, but their offense has had more turnovers than that. They're minus two in the turnover margin. They've also been hit by injuries. Last week, they lost one of their key secondary players, Jalen Merrick, who had to stay behind in Columbus in a hospital for a couple of days. And they also played a pretty good game defensively against Ohio State in spite of losing. They had nine tackles for loss, but it's kind of a defense that doesn't really have any stars per se. They had, well, Entering this year, they had maybe the best secondary in the Big Ten, but as you mentioned, you know, Brian Body Calhoun has been injured in and out. Uh, you know, now Myrick, who's a great special teamer to go along with his, uh, his uh, coverage skills. He's, he's out for the season after a rib and lung injury suffered in that game. Uh, you know, they, they kind of had this big churn there, and you know, they've got some good players. You know, Theron Cochran is a really good pass rusher. He was really good against uh, Iowa and Campbell, the, the middle linebacker, is really good. They just, uh, you know, they they don't have stars, as you mentioned. They don't have Rashidi Hageman, but but I don't think it, it's just, just, I think the constant churn of injuries has kind of hurt them. And as you mentioned, you know, red zone defense, you know, they're 10th in the Big Ten, 62nd overall. They've allowed 18 touchdowns in the red zone. You know, those are those are 
plays that really hurt you. You know, Iowa conversely is allowed nine. You know, they and then of course you combine that with their. You know, you can survive those numbers. I don't think those are horrible numbers, but if your offense isn't scoring, your defense really has to be stout, and they just haven't done that. And, you know, and I think part of it is you know they they played really well the last two weeks against two teams better than they are. You know, Michigan they were just a whisker shy of winning, and Ohio State they lost twenty eight fourteen in Columbus. That's no, that's nothing to you know really complain about. But but I think earlier on in the year, and maybe some of this was the kill factor. You know, when Jerry Kill was out, you know they lose twenty seven to nothing at Northwestern, they lose forty eight to twenty five to Nebraska. You know, you have games like that that really kind of take away from the close results, like against TCU, Ohio State, and Michigan. So you know, right now, you know, this is a defense. You just kind of wonder how much energy do they have in the tank? How much can they accept against you know really you know maybe outside of Michigan, this is the most physical team they'll play all year on the offensive line and, and maybe the nastiest. So uh, you wonder how long are they going to be able to take it, especially on the road at a, at a, at a, at a wild, crazy Kinnick Stadium. If you think about the matchups here again, how their Minnesota's defense matches up with Iowa's offense and how Iowa's offense has scored this year, it doesn't look good for Minnesota in that regard either because while they've given up seven touchdown drives of 40 yards or less, they've surrendered 16 touchdowns of drives that were 57 yards or longer. So it looks like Iowa's offense can come at them either on the short field or the long field. Yeah, I, I agree with you, John. I think they that's uh, you know that, that's going to be a factor, no doubt about it. Quick couple of special teams comments. I'm still waiting for Desmond King to break either a punt or a kick return for a touchdown, but he's been really good in both of those. 12.9 yards per return on punt returns, 23.6 on kicks. Minnesota's uh, special teams, they have a really good uh, place kicker who's one of the 20 finalists for the Lou Groza Award. Yeah, I mean, I like their punter. Uh, Peter Mortel, for the most part, has been a really good punter for a long time, a couple of years anyway. And then he's a guy that I think can, you know, he, but he, he's had a few mistakes in the past. Uh, you know, I saw, I, I watched a lot of the Michigan game where he had a long, uh, line drive punt to Jabril Peppers, who I think is right in that Desmond King category. And, he, you know, takes it back quite a ways. And, but, you know, by and large, he does a pretty nice job. And then I think, you know, on Iowa's side of things, you got Dylan Kidd, who may be the most improved punter in the Big Ten. I mean, he came in, you know, and we're wondering if he's even going to have the job. But here he is, fourth in the Big Ten, averaging 43 and a third yards per kick. You know, I'm kind of a little concerned, I still, I guess, about Marshall Kane. Last week, he was able to kick all five extra points, which, you know, I I think in in this day and age of Twitter, you know, you usually just try to, okay, somebody scores and you write down, you know, okay, it's 21 to 14. Now I have to write 20 to 14 with the PAT pending because he missed it, you know, three extra points, which really has been a surprise on that. But but uh, last week, you know, he's got an incredible leg. Uh, did do a little bit of rugby punting, which I think was helpful. And then, uh, as you mentioned, I think one key factor is not having J- uh, Jalen Myrick from Minnesota. He's an incredible kick returner. He was 10th in the Big Ten. The last year, I want to say, against Northwestern, it was his kick return that went for 100 yards that beat the Northwestern. Uh, he's out. And I'm kind of like with you, with, with Desmond King. You know, it's, it's kind of funny, you know, to average as many yards as he is, yet, you know, he hasn't really broken one past 40 yards uh, in the kick return game. And then and then as a punt returner, you always kind of wonder, man, what if they would have turned Micah Hyde loose like this? But uh, I think at some point he's going to break one. Is it going to be this game? Is it going to be against Nebraska at the end? Purdue next week? Big Ten championship game? Bowl game? But I, I, I think, yeah, one of these days it's going to come back. And I'm just waiting for it to happen. The last factor here to look at is the turnover margin. Minnesota's minus two on the season. Iowa is in the top 10. They have uh, plus 11 
11, 70 points off turnovers, 13 picks. You know, it's, it's pretty incredible. I mean, to be plus 11, sixth in the country, Minnesota's 84th. Indiana last week, I thought, you know, or Maryland, I should say, I thought was just such the, that was to me of all the factors of going into that game was, was the one that kind of stood out. And then you look and, you know, Maryland's minus 17 on the year. I mean, Minnesota's not that bad, but Iowa turns it turnovers into point. And, you know, the other X factor, which I think is, is really important in the last two minutes of games uh, or of the first half, I was outscored its opponents 37 to nothing. And uh, that's, you know, you're getting money points at a money part of the game. I mean, last week you had Beathard diving over the goal line. You know, the week before you had the block punt sequence against Maryland that, that turned into a late touchdown. I mean, the only time they have, the only game they haven't scored in, inside of the final two minutes of either the first half or the or the fourth quarter was when they missed a field goal against Northwestern. Otherwise, they would have done it every single game. So converting at the end of halves or games, and we talked we talked about New Kirk. I mean, maybe it's this little bit of aggressiveness at the end of halves and at the end of games has really propelled this this team to, to score, and then it turned out to be you know a, a difference making touchdown or field goal prediction keys. I really think Iowa is too good in too many areas, too consistent uh, in their run defense to prevent Minnesota from doing much. There, Minnesota might get a play or two off, but I don't see them dr- driving up the field on Iowa very often. I look at Iowa, and it's going to be about ground acquisition. It's going to be about churning out yards. And in the past, I mean, Minnesota did a great job last year against Iowa when it came to stopping the run. They they focused on the inside-outside zone so much that Iowa couldn't get it started. I mean, Mark Wiseman had run for you know 150 yards plus in his two previous games against the Gophers last year. He ran for 21 because they were so intent and focused on that. And, but this is a different game, a different night and what have you. And, and I just don't see the Gophers being able to, to do much offensively against Iowa. I don't see Iowa laying the egg that it did last year. It was, and make no mistake about it, it was the least motivated team I've ever seen in my life, especially in a rivalry game. So I think Iowa, with all the factors in its favor, with all the, the, the ambiance that we're going to see Saturday night. Plus, just being a better football team, I think Iowa wins, wins decisively. I'm going 31-7, to and it wouldn't surprise me if it's bigger. The finish! Sir! Do you know what I just saw? No, sir. A gopher! Gopher! Where? Do you know what gophers can do? Ooh, better get rid of those gophers. Is that clear? Oh, aye, sir. Very clear, sir. I'll put my best man on it. I want you to kill every gopher. The little brown furry rodents. We can do that. Aye. We don't even have to have a reason. Do it, man. Beathard takes a knee. The clock will expire on Indiana's dreams of an upset again. Courageous performance by C.J. Beathard. Yes. When he got hurt at the end of that uh, end of the first half, when he did the, the Superman into the end zone, he did not look like he was very comfortable. Once again, our final score from Bloomington, Iowa 35, Indiana 27. <laughs> Just a reminder, you can participate in our shows by offering your own comments and opinions on the Hawkeyes. The toll-free hotline is available 24 hours a day. Call 866-74-HAWKS and make your voice heard. Visit HawkeyesMike.com, go to the News and Events section, and check the links for up-to-date information on Iowa games, TV channels, team schedules, and more. You can subscribe to all Hawkeyes Mike podcasts through iTunes. And you can follow Hawkeyes Mike on Twitter, Tumblr, Medium, and Facebook. Also be sure to check out all of the Hawkeye stories, features, and blogs in the Gazette and the Quad City Times. 
thanks again to ESPN for the game highlights this week. And thanks, as always, to Scott Docterman. We hope you've enjoyed this Hawkeyes Mike podcast, that you'll come back for more, and that you'll subscribe to our podcasts on iTunes. It's all Hawkeyes all the time on HawkeyesMike.com. One passion, many voices. Nice work, everyone. Sharp broadcast. Really good. Everyone on the floor as well. Really a lot of hustle. I liked it. This has been a presentation of Hawkeye's Mike, LLC.